Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning to everyone in the room here in London. We're delighted to be joined by a number of folks in the room. The sun is shining, so it's great. And welcome to all of our people online that are listening into the hybrid presentation this morning. Um, Delighted to be presenting a, a positive set of results from Ewan's group this morning. My name is Andy Thorburn. I'm the CEO here and I'm pleased to represent the great work from the company and all of the team in exceeding board expectations for 2021. As is our tradition, Peter, our CFO, will take us all through the detailed numbers and give a briefing on that. And then I'll be pleased to talk about some highlights for 2021, but also most importantly, is a little view of the future which I think is always interesting this time of the year to give you an idea how we expect to perform in 2022 and beyond. So without further ado, Peter, over to you, sir. Thank you, Andy. Good morning, everybody, and happy St. Patrick's Day. We're going to start on slide four, which is the financial highlights. So uh, as Andy said, in summary, the results for the year to December 2021 reflect improved momentum, a strong set of results coming in above our expectations this time. All the key PL metrics, including revenue, recurring revenue, adjusted operating profit, and earnings, moved ahead strongly against 2020 and also showed good growth against the pre COVID 2019 year as well. So, revenue was up by 6% to 268.2 million, with recurring revenue 4% up to 104.8 million. Group operating profit was 11% up on the headline adjusted numbers. Just as a reminder, that's where we expense all of our development costs as incurred. And we're pleased to report good progress on the operating margin too, up to almost 26%. Cash generation was temporarily weaker as expected, with 2021 skewed by the reversing out of the 7.3 million VAT payment holiday, which had benefited 2020. So a 14.6 million swing year on year. Despite that, we ended the year uh, with net cash of 64 million, which represents a 21% increase on the comparative period. Adjusted earnings was 10% higher at 56.1 pence, and we returned to a double digit growth rate in the dividend with a total dividend of 35.2 pence, continuing to deliver on our long term track record of increasing returns to shareholders, reflecting our robust balance sheet and our confidence in the underlying medium-term prospects for the business. So turning to slide five then, you can see here the P&L performance split into half years and compared to 2020. There's a little bit more in the slides that follow on revenue and segmental performance, but in summary, we recorded a stronger second half in making good progress at top and bottom line. The results included a strong performance from the pinnacle business, contributed 7.4 million to revenue, boosted by stepping up in providing the scale technology to support the vaccination program in England. While continuing the level of investment in our technology program, the capitalization of development costs continue to trend down as we focus our teams more on projects improving customer experience. And we also further tightened our internal criteria for capitalization. So as a result, with the amortization overall being slightly higher 
and in the absence of any exceptional credits, unlike last year, reported profit before tax was just slightly lower this time around. Tax was close to the statutory rate for the period at 19.1%. Reported earnings moved back a little, consistent with profit before tax, whilst adjusted earnings grew by 10%. Looking then at the segmental performance on slide six, starting here with Evis Health, which provides core software to the NHS. Revenue here was up just a touch on a comparative which had been boosted in 2020 by higher than usual hardware sales resulting from the need for rapid deployment of mobile working solutions, particularly during the first lockdown. The richer sales mix that we have this time around helps deliver a 5% increase in adjusted operating profit. In Emis Enterprise, our private sector and consumer facing business, here revenue was up by 17%, just over 60 million, reflecting an improved market and also a relatively weak comparative period, which was more affected by COVID-19 lockdowns. With a segment continuing to focus on executing in the areas of patient-facing services, data and analytics, and pharmacy, including Pinnacle, adjusted operating profit increased by 21% to 18.9 million, and this now represents over 40% of our group profits overall. We increased the adjusted operating margin to 25.9%, that's up 125 basis points on 2020, helped by that richer sales mix while at the same time not holding back on our investment programmes. Staff costs were 9% higher than in 2020, reflecting higher package and reward levels for an increasingly skilled and in-demand workforce. And we also absorbed additional costs associated with the technology transformation programme, including Microsoft and AWS. The table on the next slide, seven, gives uh, some more granularity on our revenue split and also the split between recurring and non-recurring. So we reported good balance in growth between recurring and non-recurring, recurring revenue moving forwards at a consistent 4%, and a 14% increase in non-recurring revenue, driven by a return to more normal levels of projects and new business implementations. There's more detail on the slide, but in summary, that growth was spread across all revenue categories, with the exception of hardware, Hardware fell back to a more normal level of demand after that spike caused by the early months of the pandemic in the comparison period. Overall, looking at our revenues, we'd expect similar levels of growth in 2022, noting that not all of the one-time revenues in Pinnacle are likely to repeat in the year ahead. Okay, turning to slide eight, which is the cash flow, our adjusted cash from operations here, which is before any exceptionals, but having absorbed all of our development costs, that was lower at 46 million with working capital movements behind the temporary reduction. So in particular, as we've seen, the working capital performance reflected the 7.3 million of COVID deferred VAT payments this time versus 7.3 million of benefit in 2020. If you exclude that, working capital was actually positive in 2021 overall, with an improvement in the debtor position from the half year coming through as expected. Business combinations here relates to 2 million of deferred contingent consideration for the Pinnacle acquisition. CapEx continue to be tightly controlled at 2.3 million, and we also spent 2.4 million in acquiring shares for the EBT to satisfy share scheme awards. Tax payments were lower than in the 2020 transitional year, as we're now on a real-time corporation tax payments regime. 
Overall, therefore, we reported a net cash inflow for the year of 11 million, taking the year-end balance to 64 million. Slide nine gives the balance sheet summary. So headlines on here, strong balance sheet maintained with no debt and renewed banking facilities, which gave us 124 million of liquidity at the year end. Since then, of course, we've used around 20 million of that firepower in the cash acquisitions of Edenbridge and 14 Fish, which Andy will talk about in a moment. Two other points just to highlight here on the balance sheet, with that strong deferred income balance maintained, we continue to run with net negative working capital overall as a business. And within other financial liabilities, there's the final 2 million contingent consideration for Pinnacle, which we'll be paying out shortly, given its excellent performance. And finally, looking a little bit further ahead on slide 10, with some of the trends that we see affecting the numbers going forwards, starting with staff costs, these are likely to reflect the higher inflationary environments that we see currently with broadly steady staff numbers overall. Development costs, we'd expect to see capitalization and amortization continuing at similar rates. Share-based payments, dependent on projected performance, the current guidance here is for this to be consistent or maybe a little higher than in 2021. With regards to the tax rate, the PL charge will remain very much in line with the statutory rate, the 19% for the year ahead, before an increase coming through from April 2023. Cash capex may be a touch higher in 2022 with a little bit of deferred cash payments from the back end of 2021, and also investment in technology. That will flow through also into other operating expenses as well. From a working capital point of view at this stage, we'd expect to be close to neutral for the full year overall. And dividends, our proposed dividend, would result in £11 million payment to be made in May. For our two post-year-end acquisitions, there's some guidance here on the historic financial performance, and we're looking forward to them doing well under our ownership. From a consideration point of view, it's all cash with a deferred element on Edenbridge only, which will be payable based on performance over the next couple of years. Both will be integrated into the EMIS enterprise segment in the business. And then with regards to 2022 guidance, from a cash perspective, we expect the operating cash flows to increase versus 2021 with stronger working capital. But with the acquisitions, we'd expect a modest decrease in the net cash balance overall at the end of the year. From an income statement point of view, we'd expect to maintain the improved momentum that we saw in 2021, and we're happy with the board's expectations for the year. And looking further ahead, we'd expect to deliver what we've previously indicated in underlying mid to upper single digit revenue growth and also margin improvement coming through, consistent with our goal of moving towards a 30% operating margin in the coming years. So Andy, I'll pass back to you to take us through the operational review. Thanks, Peter. A good year for us in 2021. Strong results above expectation, which is a great place to be. So I was delighted to deliver that message. We continued with our dividend approach to the 11th consecutive year of increasing the dividend. So we're really proud of that record and it's something we obviously want to continue. We're very excited about the work being done in EMIS Enterprise. So we've got a strong double-digit performance in growth terms. And it now accounts for over 40% of the group. So that's very interesting for us. We see lots of potential in this space. Obviously, a strong performance in the pharmacy sector and specifically Pinnacle this time round. What's really exciting is the embryonic EMIS X analytics business 
So last year, about this time, we talked about 25 pilots who were unpaid with a variety of customers. We now have 27 customers that are fully paying using EMISX analytics. What we're seeing on the EMIS health side now is definitely a replicable model. So we have got a model that works. The customers really like what we do, the tool set we've built for them. So that's really encouraging. On the enterprise side, it's more a project by project basis, working with companies such as Pfizer. And we're really pleased with the engagement. And I'll talk about, a bit more about that later on. We're also excited to complement the good organic work with a couple of acquisitions so far this year. So Edenbridge and the brilliantly named 14 Fish. My career is now complete having bought a company called 14 Fish. And just a, a, an interesting anecdote, they were thinking of calling it 23 Lobster. So I'm not sure which is better, but uh, anyway, 14 Fish it is. So I'm uh, pleased to bring that into the portfolio and we'll talk a bit more about those two acquisitions shortly. We also continue to be developing capability for the integrated care systems that are emerging in England. That's very important and interoperability is incredibly important as is the data that moves across these different care settings. Again, another EMSX analytics play for us. So delighted with progress there. And then finally, and we've thanked the Pinnacle team at least 20 times, but the 100 million plus COVID vaccinations from that team, just absolutely brilliant. And the approach with the traditional EMIS team and the Pinnacle team, really proud of what they've done. So moving to slide 13, this is really just a summary that our investment in new technology continues. We've highlighted a few themes here in the darker color headlines. So integrated care, clearly data integration, incredibly important as we think about ICS and we think about the requirements across the whole nations, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales, making sure those interfaces are standardized so we can build our ecosystem of partners. And we don't highlight it as a particular topic in the presentation, but our lead partner program is going from strength to strength with a very strong growth in that in 2021. Data-driven customer service, so more self-serve for our customers, using the ServiceNow platform that we invested in a couple of years ago as part of our internal efficiency upgrade. That's going really well. Our new CTO, Richard Jarvis, who we promoted in the summer, is driving accelerated software rollout for customers. So we're being more responsive. We're delivering our promises faster and we're building and improving our customer experience. So that's a really important development for us. Previously, it was taking us sometimes four months to roll out software release. We're now doing it in days sometimes overnight. So that is a tremendous credit to the tech team. We continue with our cloud adoption strategy. So we're building scalable platforms across the business and upgrading our traditional point of care systems into more cloud enabled technology. That is a, a drumbeat, if you like, that continues and we're doing nicely there. And then also we've changed our development methodology into what we call scaled agile framework or safe. And that gives us a real fast way of developing solutions for our customers working in tandem with them and building a much faster pace than we've ever done before so again a credit to richard and his leadership team in the blue box i really like this blue box because it just says we've built a whole bunch of things and there's a lot more that are not in this and this is all about we promised we'd build new tech when we spoke at capital markets at the end of 2018 we are focused on delivering our promises and that list is growing and growing there's many other things we can put on there but we're pleased with that execution. Turning to 14, I'm excited about this slide because we've now formalized our ESG strategy. And the reason I'm excited is when we started pulling together all the different 
teams inside the business. What I realized that we were doing the right things already. We just didn't really call them part of an overall ESG approach. And there's a number of things just to look at. For example, the company fleet hybrid number. That's moving up dramatically. We've also built our own connecting points in our buildings so that people can plug in their electric car when they're on site. Renewables, very, very important. The social purpose of our companies, one of the reasons that our employees stay with us, as well as obviously the purpose for our shareholders and things like the vaccinations. But also, interestingly, right at the start of the pandemic, one of the things we had to do was identify the people most at risk to get the jabs first. And that 1.5 million people were the most vulnerable people and we worked with the NHS to identify those and those were the first people through the door. And these are the sort of things we do quietly in the background, but when you start pulling into this sort of framework, you realise how impressive it is. The other thing is, there's just a huge number, 15 billion prescriptions delivered through Miss Webb through its life so far. The scale of what we do every year is incredible. And this, again, is a great social purpose for our business. And the contribution to the UK is tremendous in all these direct and indirect ways. So when you write it down, actually, you really step back and think it's amazing to be involved with this company. When we look at our people and culture, one of the things we've done over the last almost five years is we have what we call the Ask Sessions. And I have one called Ask Andy, which is about any staff member can ask me anything live on the video. And typically we have two thirds of the company dial into that and literally can ask me anything as long as it's constructive. And we have ask sessions all the time. So Bob does ask sessions in operations, Jackie on policy around people. And these are incredibly well respected. We never mislead our team. We tell them straight. And the only things we don't talk about are things like acquisitions, which we're not allowed to, or results obviously in a quiet period. But these are very powerful forums. We've been doing these for many years. and. During pandemic, we actually had guests from the outside to talk to our staff, talking about lockdown with Dr. Sarah Jarvis, talking about how your mental health is during lockdown. So these are very powerful and it's called the Ask series and Peter is involved in them all, the GXT, the senior team are involved in those, so that's exciting. We're also, our internal employee engagement metrics are up every year since I've been here, uh, up to the right, and that's driven by great engagement from our HR team. And we actually have a larger HR team than many companies have, but we think the engagement with our colleagues is incredibly important. And we're delighted to invest in our people directly and indirectly. So we think that's important. And also we have programs such as mental health first aiders where we train. That was not a response to COVID. We had that in place before COVID. And that's another, if you like, social purpose or benefit to being part of the EMIS community. So we like that. One of the big things that we believe in GXT is, is about getting the gender pay gap resolved. And we've delivered 16% improvement in that since we focused on that in 2018, we started that. Jackie drives that, but that is a commitment from Peter and myself and all the senior people. We, we are absolutely passionate about doing the right thing. We've been doing that for many years. That, that's very, very important. And then on the governance side, you know, just a one throwaway line, 99% trained in governance policies and the 1% will be people who probably just left or sick or whatever. But we have got compliance programs. We have training every month that we have to do. So I've got two courses to finish by the end of March and everyone else. So we all do the same thing. So very important. We're now, now starting to drop some ambitions about our ESG objective metrics. 
we don't have a detailed plan yet on carbon neutral by 2030, but we want to do that. We're starting to think about scope three. That's the next thing that's on our agenda to try and figure out how that works. I think many companies are kind of wrestling with that one. How, how do we, we deal with that? We've got a specific program on employer of choice, which is about providing the best environment for you to work in, flexible working arrangements, obviously good compensation, but it's not just about compensation, it's about our culture and the way we interact with each other. That's really, really important and many other things. So lots going on in ESG. We had a great recommendation from one of our shareholders two years ago to form an ESG committee. We've done that and Susie Foster, one of the senior team, she chairs that. She is passionate about ESG generically, but we are and it's now becoming central to our decision making. So this is just not a tick box for us. This is the way that we operate and live and we're excited about it. And it was quite interesting when we were the consultants kind of training us through last year about what to think about. We had some aha moments and things we can do to help the broader NHS as well. So it, it, we're excited by it. Moving on to 16. What I wanted to talk about in this slide is one of the reasons we're becoming more and more predictable with our financial performances our strength and depth of strategic things that are important to the NHS. And if you look down at the left-hand side on EMIS Health, if we call this our traditional business, the heritage of the company, we've built it over time. We've got tremendous capability across many different care settings. Some we talk about a lot, some we talk about less. But this gives us strength. So each year, the NHS focus will change depending on what's going on. So some areas perform stronger one year, then it might be another area like Pinnacle last year. This year, we'll have another area or two that will be really strong for us. But it's this strength and depth is really important for the future of our business. And these are our traditionally our point of care systems, predominantly on that EMIS Health side. Then what we've got on the enterprise side are capabilities. We're deep in pharmacy, so community, hospital, pharmacy. Pinnacle's traditional job is clinical commissioning around pharmacy engagements, but also uh, we've now got this COVID long-term solution in place. We do things like blood test management across the NHS. We barely talk about that. It's another thing that, that just goes on in the background. And also we use that system to record COVID testing and something we didn't really talk about and we got a contract for that. We then look at the EMSX analytics areas, patient research, cohort identification. So working with the likes of Pfizer around that. More complex GDPR, we have to make sure we manage within the rules. We have to get permissions for the people who own the data. Just to remind you, we don't own that data, but we have great collaboration. And just as a genetic stat, 42% of GPs are clinically research active. So we're pushing at an open door for people to engage with us in the new way that we're trying to bring solutions to the market. Lots of work going on post-pandemic on patients at risk. That's why we see this replica model, and I'll talk about Frimley shortly, which is one of the leading case studies we have. It's interesting, and many, many more things. One thing to highlight, actually, is on patient access, is we've had over 800,000 people sign up for us to use their patient records for commercial purposes. That's very interesting, and a new area of opportunity in that virtual world of applications and individuals. Whether we own that or whether we're working with the NHS app, we don't mind either way. What's important is that uh, we've got good engagement with the end users. So partnering strong for us there as well. If we move on to 17, I've picked up a few of these on the way through. There's new opportunities turning up on a regular basis. My favourite one I would like to mention, just because I can say the title is GPCPCS. 
So basically what that is, is we've connected the GP practice directly into community pharmacy consulting rooms through EMSX technology. And the NHS has got the ambition of moving 100 million appointments from GP practices into community pharmacy. This is working, it's on the catalogue as part of our ITF portfolio and is taking off dramatically. So this is another use of EMSX technology breaking out into new tech from our traditional EMS web desktop. So a really interesting one and wanted to highlight. One thing to highlight on the health and research analytics is the use of AI tools, third-party AI tools that are approved to be able to search through the 1.5 trillion healthcare data points we have in EMSX analytics. And we're partnering, and the big program we talked about a year ago, I can tell you was, was with Pfizer. We worked with a program with them to identify people at risk for an area that's of interest to them. And we also have fed those results directly into the GP workflow. So that gives a real 360 on the patient. So that's interesting. Moving to 18. Probably more for reading afterwards, but just like to highlight two things. One is we definitely have this replicability happening now in NHS England and Frimley ICS is a leading example where the quote from our customers is a game changer. So this is using our tool set we built specifically for healthcare analytics to look at the demands of primary care, understand what's going on in their geographical region and then have appropriate local driven response to that. That's really, really exciting. They are a massive advocate of EMSX analytics and we really like the work that we've done in partnership with this customer. And it's a credit also to our team out there to have worked very quickly to build this solution. So really good. If you look on the right hand side, we talk about projects rather than replicable solutions at the moment on research life sciences. And here's an example of a company called in short MSD and looking at identifying hepatitis C virus risk factors in patient records, and then responding to that and using our capability. So we've got this clinical intelligence built into EMIS Webs, that AI, plus the new EMISX technology to get new insights into this. And if you look at the, the stats there, 69% of people are undiagnosed right now. So this is about getting proactive insight into patients, and it's all about patient-centric and the big thing for us for building sex analytics is actionable intelligence for clinicians. And actionable intelligence is really, really important. And if we move on to 19, we're delighted to complement all this good organic work with a couple of new friends. One is Eden Bridge Health Care. The reason that we like this one is it's two former EMIS employees who left many years ago who set up in Wakefield and have built a really nice capability. We've invited them back to the EMIS family. They're delighted to come. It's actually a husband-wife combo, and they were sponsored and funded by another ex-EMIS employee who did well at Float. So we keep an eye on our partners. They're building predetermined dashboards to help with demand management at primary care network level. They have a 1,000 GP prices signed up, and we have got, as an example, 4,000 locations give or take in England that can be sold to. So there'll be an overlap of probably circa 800 or something like that. But there's an upsell just on that alone. But this is definitely complementary to EMSX analytics. So it's, uh, if you like, a, a visual view of this demand, allowing people 
to look at things like not just skills to deal with the demand, but also what sort of prescriptions flow from that, what sort of things they have to have in practice to be able to deal with the demand of a particular issue that's breaking in that geography. So we like Edenbridge, real company, small, modest, but we'll grow in our area making money. So it's a real company. And we think about Edenbridge like we thought about Pinnacle as a smaller business with lots of potential. So we're, we're thinking Pinnacle-esque for Edenbridge. And then 14 Fish, a very interesting, another digital capability for Emus Group. This is where GPs and other clinicians have to have a formal tracking of their appraisals so that they can continue to practice. So it's a big like if you use it as a compliance tool, first of all. So you have to record these. And to give you an idea, we've, there's 42,000 GPs use the system. There's 17,000 GP trainees, 11,000 hospital doctors. There's 14,000 nurses. And we can expand this to a much bigger audience because we've got the reach with 100 people talking to all of the NHS every day. And so we see that as becoming a bigger small business. But also there's a training aspect here. So we've got an embryonic training business that we built inside the company called Academy. And we're gonna link this with 14 Fish and also Edenbridge and 14 Fish have always wanted to work together and neither knew we were buying either. So they could come together with this demand planning in integrated care systems. And both of these will sit alongside EMSX analytics. So new spaces for us, nice companies making good profit, super cultural fit with smart clinicians, smart tech, and they will fit nicely into our portfolio. So we're, we're excited that they've come part of the journey. One thing to say is we have a program of bolt-ons. So this is not opportunistic. We have engaged in a program and we'd be confident and hopeful to have some other things join us over the next couple of years. And we don't want to overpay. They've got to fit into the, the overall strategy and they've got to fit culturally, but it's definitely a program, not just a couple of deals. So just to advise you on that. And then finally, on slide 20, EMIS is going from strength to strength. I feel really good about where we are. We have spent many years sorting issues, building good foundations, looking after customers through COVID, and then getting back to more business than usual in the second half of 2021. As we, we enter 2022, we like where we are, all the leading indicators in the right place for us and we run detailed KPIs in every part of our business and we're excited by the organic development of our business but also bringing on some new capabilities and our strong 80% recurring revenue is really important to build on and we've got very sticky solutions out there which is great. We continue on the EMSX journey and that is our shorthand for our technology refresh program. Two ways to think about this. On Evis Health side, it's about efficiency and modernization of some of the systems we've had for some time. <coughs> to go well. And on the enterprise side, it's about growth with Evis X analytics. But that also drives into Evis Health indirectly as well. So that's the way to think about it. We're also considering whether we accelerate some investment in this area to deal with one or two things we'd like to get behind us. So we're really modernized. And that's a consideration we'll think about over the coming months and then make some decisions and update you when we see you in September. Our balance sheet's in super shape. We've been building that for some time. We are spending money now, and we're pleased to be spending that, but also the cash generation that Peter talked about this year 
those acquisitions that we've got will pretty much be taken care of, give or take, and Andy numbers, not Peter numbers, uh, and the cash will generate this year. So that's helpful, but we're planning to spend some money because we think it's the right time, the right thing to do. And we've also got debt facilities lined up should we require them uh, down the line. And then, you know, our, our commitment is consistent growth and expanding margins over time. Margins moved up nicely in this period. We want to continue with that and we will continue to head towards that 30% direction we set out uh, three years ago. So in, in summary, delighted to be leading the team. It is a team game in EMIS and our team have done an awesome job looking after our customers and obviously most importantly, looking after our shareholders who were, were represented today. Thanks very much, good to see you all. Thanks for everyone online. Thank you for dialing in, much appreciated. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.